Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Hello, fellow patriots, fellow occupants of the basket of deplorables. Welcome in as we get underway with the five o'clock follies, the most heavily commuted and most heavily congested hour of the program. And as always, your input is invited, encouraged, and welcomed to join me. Just uh, give me a call. Use the Ingalls Advantage talk line number 800-347-1063 or text me using the Common Sense Retirement Planning text line number 71307 and my email, of course, bob at 1063word.com. Very special guest joining us to uh, lead off the uh, Follies today. Uh, You may have seen her on the opening night of the Republican National Convention, an advisory board member for President Trump's campaign, Natalie Harp. Natalie, welcome to the program. And and, uh, as we begin... Uh, let me ask you, how are you? And when I ask how are you, I mean, how are you? <laughs> well, it's great to be with you, Bob. All those proud deplorables out there. I wish we could all be <laughs> together in person, but we're definitely all fighting together in spirit. Yep, absolutely. Uh, you know, Natalie, one of the things that is a big takeaway for me uh, in terms of the dichotomy between the Republican convention in Charlotte and uh, the four-night infomercial that the Democrats put on last week is the the number of average Americans uh, standing up and speaking out for President Trump, as opposed to uh, the uh, litany of rich, spoiled Hollywood actors that the Democrats uh, put out night after night. And, and you were one of those. Well, I mean, it really was an incredible week when you think about it. It's like these are the forgotten Americans that President Trump ran for in 2016 and it's like we aren't forgotten anymore and it's like i think the media they they've tried to ignore us they've called us deplorable i mean look at how they've gone after the president they've gone after him because they hate us so much but it's like this is the first president who's written his legacy on people's lives i mean into our stories it's like Mm -hmm. we are the results of his administration and so hearing from everyday americans it's like that's what the government was founded on, you know, by the people and for the people. And it's like this week really represented that when you hear from people sharing their stories and how politics, you know, either ruined it when you look at the McCluskeys or when you look at Nick Salmon. I mean, the way that that the hate that these people have gotten, I mean, even the gentleman last night from Communist China talking about what people have survived and overcome what we would face in a Joe Biden America, which is a frightening thing, but also celebrating the the success of what the president has done in our lives in the last four years and what he wants to do in the next four. 
Natalie Harp, uh, if you didn't have an opportunity to see her speech on the first night of the convention, you should go back on YouTube and watch it uh, because it's an amazing story. People for, uh, for people, Natalie, who are not familiar with what you have undergone, uh, can you give us a, a thumbnail version of what you've experienced and, and how the, the legislation, the right to try legislation, uh, made a life-saving difference for you? Yes, well, when I was diagnosed with a rare and terminal bone cancer, I was failing the chemotherapies that were on the market for what I have, and I wanted to get in clinical trials, couldn't get into clinical trials. You know, you make them look bad. You know, when the president talks about <laughs> right to try, it's like the doctors didn't want it. You know, the FDA didn't want it. No one really wanted it because it's like terminally ill people are terminally ill. So it's right. like the chances are the odds are against you. But the president doesn't care about odds. He cares about people. And so he really took on the cause of fighting for us. And everybody's seen what that looks like. I mean, this year with the coronavirus, when you talk about having something where there is no cure for it and you see different treatments that are looking promising in the pipeline, whether it's convalescent plasma or hydroxychloroquine or remdesivir treatments that, you know, would take years to be approved. But a lot of people don't have that luxury of time to wait. And if they don't want to die waiting or if they don't want to just luck it out and see if they can actually, you know, beat it, they have the right to try experimental treatments now and we've never had that i mean joe biden didn't get it passed for decades president trump gave us that right and it's it helps people really taking back control of their health care and you know joe biden wants to take that away he wants washington making decisions over your health care i mean they want to take us towards government-run health care i mean socialized medicine is the ultimate goal of the left and right. all you have to do is look at Canada and the UK in terms of people waiting months or even years for appointments. Then, you know, as we saw with Charlie Gard, who is a terminally ill child, they decided, no, it's too expensive to use resources on him. We'd rather redistribute them to others. And, you know, it's too risky to keep him alive. So this is really what we're faced in this election. Do you want to make decisions for yourself what's best for you? Or do you want the swamp making those decisions for you? What has it been like uh, for you, Natalie, to, to be involved in the convention? Uh, what uh, what uh, kind of experiences have you had that you may have expected or that were unexpected? Well, it's been amazing. I mean, this week, when you look at like it compared to the last week's convention, I mean, when you see virtual, it's like there's so much enthusiasm, even greater than 2016. Yet mm -hmm. we don't even have that rally experience where we all got to come together and, you know, celebrate the president and making America great again. But that enthusiasm is still so much there. I mean, all you have to do is look at the boat parades, look at the street corners, people out in their MAGA hats and their flags. I'm from California. People are on street corners here with American flags and their MAGA hats. It's like people, the enthusiasm is amazing and the creative ways that people are still showing their support for the president, wanting to fight for this country. And it's been really inspiring to see, even in this week where we can't all be together in person, just the energy that you still feel being together, you know, in spirit about how much we love this country. I mean, how proud we are to be an American. I mean, every night this week, it's like the time just flies by, doesn't it? When you're watching the convention, it's like, yeah. these, this is America. These are the stories of America. This is the country that we're fighting for, the people that we're fighting for. We don't want this dystopian view that the left has for us, a socialist country where they decide you can't go to church, you can't go to the beach, you can't put your kids in school, you can't go to your job, you can't eat a hamburger. I mean, this is what was at stake <laughs> in this election. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it is unbelievable. And, and when you compare it, uh, Natalie, to that uh, interminable four-night infomercial last week, you know, if it had been on the web, uh, tens of hundreds of millions of Americans would have been hitting skip ads.
You know, <laughs> they, they would have been out of there. <laughs> right. I know. I'm just like, this is so, and they had Hollywood and everybody else behind them, right? You think they could have produced something a little better, but the people are behind this convention. And I think that's really been made clear in the programming. It's like how we've never seen a convention like this before, where it's really everyday Americans sharing their stories. I mean, even the, the stories every night about people fleeing socialism and communism and saying like, this is what is at stake in this election. And it's the people saying it. It's like, this isn't really about politics anymore. I mean, the Democrats want to make everything about politics. But it's right. like, this is about America. This is about it. Do we want to keep America? As Laura Trump was saying last night, it's like this, keeping America great is about keeping America as it was founded and not going into Venezuela or becoming the kind of country that Bernie Sanders and AOC want to turn us into. It's, uh, it's going to be a, a bang-up finish, I suspect, tonight in Charlotte. We'll hear from a HUD secretary and a really good guy, Dr. Ben Carson, uh, Senate uh, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell will be speaking. I'm really looking forward to hearing Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas because he has a tendency to set the room on fire. And then, of course, President Trump will be doing the official uh, acceptance of his nomination for a second term. And uh, everybody, I think, is really looking forward to seeing that tonight. I know the land of greatness celebrating the great American story, what we all experienced, the winning of the the first three years, I mean, Obama and Biden said we need a magic wand to bring back manufacturing. Look what the president was able to do in, in the job industry, in the energy industry, making us energy independent. I mean, all the manufacturing is brought back. The drugs that he wants, the drug production he wants to bring back to make it in America so we're not reliant on other countries. And the president will also be talking about his agenda for the next four years. There's still so much. Finishing the wall, uh, do, working on infrastructure, health care being able to finally put in some price transparency, you know, will kick in in January, but it's like finally we can have affordable health care once we win back the House and, you know, even grow our majority in the Senate. So there's so much promise. There's so much greatness that's yet to come. Yes, the coronavirus put a pause on it, but it's like we that doesn't negate the three years of winning that we had. Just because life got tough doesn't mean it can't be great again. We saw the president made America great again in just three years. So he's going to do it again. 2021 is going to be an amazing year. But it's up to all of us to head out to the polls and vote and and give him a majority back in the House that'll fight for him instead of fighting him every step of the way. You know, uh, Natalie, I, I am constantly impressed uh, by the eloquence of the the average Americans like yourself uh, who have uh, come to the fore to speak out uh, for President Trump and and his program. And and I think uh, it, it says a lot about the people surrounding the president that they have people like you as advisory board members to uh, the president's campaign. Uh, God bless you. I, I wish you good health. And, and thanks for taking time to share your story with us today. Thank you, Bob. God bless you all. Natalie Harp, 16 after five here on the Bobby Mack Show. Take a quick break here and then uh, we'll roll on with more here on the penultimate workday of the week on WORD.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast welcome back 22 after five bumper to bumper here in the thursday afternoon commute great to have you along thanks for the lift in on the text line 71307, Bobby, when you keep walking after the police told you to stop and there are guns drawn and pointing at you, most likely you are getting shot. White, black, green, or purple. As I mentioned earlier in the program, uh, we are not suffering from systemic racism. We are suffering from a systemic failure of suspects to surrender police to police peacefully. You put your hands up, you're placed into the cruiser, and everybody goes home that night. Well, except one person who goes to jail, but everybody is still alive. By the way, Here's uh, something that will be perhaps mentioned. I saw a, a CBS News report on this last night and buried in the middle of the report. Uh, by the way, there was a knife in uh, Blake's car. What was that? Jacob Blake had a knife in his car when he was shot by Kenosha police. Who says? Uh, the Wisconsin DOJ. Jacob Blake had a knife on the driver's side of his car as he was about to be arrested in a domestic dispute when he was shot Sunday by an officer in Kenosha, Wisconsin, according to the Wisconsin DOJ, the Department of Justice. 
They released details late yesterday after three nights of protest and rioting. Um, the department, which is investigating the shooting, said that officers were called to the residence on 40th Street in Kenosha, quote, after a female caller reported that her boyfriend was present and was not supposed to be on the premises. During the incident, officers attempted to arrest Jacob S. Blake, age 29, said the statement. Law enforcement deployed a taser in an attempt to stop Mr. Blake. However, the taser was not successful in stopping him. Mr. Blake walked around his vehicle, opened the driver's side door, and leaned forward. It was at that point that Officer Rustin Shesky, seven-year veteran of the Kenosha Police Department, fired his service weapon seven times as he held on to Mr. Blank's uh, tank top, hitting him in the back. He was uh, transported by Life Flight to the hospital. During the investigation following the initial incident, Mr. Blake admitted that he had a knife in his possession. DCI agents recovered a knife from the driver's side floorboard of Mr. Blake's vehicle. A search of the vehicle located no additional weapons. The department added no other officer fired their weapon. Kenosha Police Department does not have body cameras. Therefore, the officers were not wearing any. The U.S. Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of Wisconsin confirmed yesterday that a federal civil rights probe has been launched into the incident. Uh, Patrick Salvi Jr., a Chicago-based attorney for the Blake family, said earlier Wednesday that three of Mr. Blake's children were in the car but said he did not have a weapon there. In the vehicle, he did not have a weapon I can't speak directly to what he owned, uh, but I can say, oh, so he's, he's trying to make the case that uh, the kids were in the car, but there were no weapons in there, which the facts dispute, Mr. Chicago attorney. Busy chasing ambulances all the way up to uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Then there is this. Court documents show medical examiner believed George Floyd, whose uh, death prompted all this stuff, had a fatal level of fentanyl in his system. You may have heard about this already. New documents filed in the case involving the death of George Floyd show the Emmy's opinion, the medical examiner, that the victim had a potentially fatal level of fentanyl in his system. One document is a memorandum of a conversation between a court attorney and Andrew Baker, the Hennepin County Chief Medical Examiner. The conversation included statements that the fentanyl levels in Mr. Floyd's system were pretty high and can cause pulmonary edema. The document includes this level of fentanyl can cause pulmonary edema, Mr. Floyd's lungs, were two to three times their normal weight at autopsy. That is a fatal level of fentanyl under normal circumstances. Well, we are under anything but normal circumstances right now. Uh, in these times, incidents are quickly 
magnified, and then, of course, with the assistance of the media, wildly distorted, leading, of course, to the predictable outcome, mass public outrage, when really none should be warranted. Case in point, the state of Minnesota forced again to declare a state of peacetime emergency in Minneapolis last night after violent protests erupted following the death of a local black man. Violent protests. Are these what CNN refers to as a fiery but peaceful protests that usually lead to uh, new acquisitions of shoes and uh, TV sets and uh, uh, whatever else can be looted. But the details of this incident uh, yesterday in Minneapolis point out how, uh, what, what's the old saying? A lie is halfway around the world before the truth can get its boots on. Now, explain what happened in Minneapolis last night when we come right back. Annie is uh, ready to go with a news update. 529 here on the Bobby Mack Show, here on the Thursday edition on WORD. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Bumper to bumper here in the 5 o'clock Follies on the Bobby Mack Show. 24 before 6 now. In on the text line, Bob, the move against George Floyd is used 40 or more times a year to subdue hysterical suspects, just as a lifeguard must do to drowning victims only in the case of George Floyd. He died. Yeah, probably in no small measure because he had three times the fatal limit of fentanyl in his system. Now, I mentioned uh, Minneapolis again last night, violence erupting in the larger of the Twin Cities with video showing angry demonstrators burning down businesses, rioting and looting following misinformation about the killing of a black homicide suspect. Rumors immediately spread online that said he had been killed in a police shooting, but really He committed suicide, shooting himself in the head, according to surveillance video. The video depicts a man shooting himself in the head before a nearby officer rushes to his aid. Then, off camera, 
bystanders can be heard accusing the cops of shooting the now dead victim. It later emerged the man had shot himself in the head as police were moving in to make an arrest. He had committed murder just hours earlier at around 2 o'clock local time in a nearby parking garage. All of this was apparently enough to spark a wave of rioting and looting. Uh, One uh, individual tweeting, more looting in downtown Minneapolis. They've now breached the Saks Fifth Avenue store and people are making out with lots of goods. The mayor, who is an idiot, Jacob Fry, imposed a curfew following what he described as mass looting of businesses, destruction of property, and unrest. Yeah, he left out uh, fiery but peaceful protests. The governor, Tim Walls, also a Democrat, declared a state of emergency before taking to Twitter to beg those committing the violence to stop. Like that's going to do it? Minneapolis Police Chief Madaria Arredondo said his officers were not involved in the suicide death, saying it was not officer-related. Quote, I will not allow to add more trauma to a city that's still grieving from May 25th. One officer was injured in the incident, but not seriously. The Hennepin County Sheriff, David Hutchinson, said his deputies were helping the MPD to quell the unrest. He urged people to go home and gather the facts before just jumping to conclusions. Well, why in the world should they do that, Sheriff, when there's plenty of loot out there that you can carry off? When the police do things wrong, we need to hold them accountable, but this is not the case. We, as the police, the sheriff's office, did nothing wrong tonight. Uh, The mayor imposed a curfew across the city, uh, blah, blah, blah. To the phones we go. Uh, Let me uh, see who is up next here. I believe we are going to uh, Joe. Oh, we did? We lost Joe? Okay, sorry about that, Joe. Uh, In on the text line. Oh, this is a kind of off topic, but uh, why not? Hey, Bobby Mack, uh, I threw some bird seed out about 10 days ago for my neighbor's chickens. They were doing such a good job of eating the bugs in my yard. Now his chickens are roosting here. Maybe I should stop feeding them. But it is another beautiful day in Greer. <laughs> now, uh, I, I would say uh, you're getting off cheap. Uh, Bob, thanks for having Natalie Harp on earlier in the hour. She gave one of the best speeches so far. She is fired up. No question about it. Uh, And I think I'm actually caught up. Uh, Well, almost with the uh, text line. Uh, Bobby, uh, who's the guy that shot him? We, We don't know who the guy was. We don't have his his name has not yet been released. Hey, Bobby, isn't any sort of crime technically a hate crime? So why does any state, let alone South Carolina, need a hate crime law? Would it just be stacked onto uh, any other charges? Yeah, exactly. It would. And uh, notice that it is uh, the left that insists on these kind of things. Oh, by the way, speaking of the, uh, the hate crime stuff, Uh, This is good news. Dan Stein, who is a a very bright guy, he is the uh, president of uh, FAIR, 
the Federation for American Immigration Reform, uh, issued this statement in response to the Republican National Committee's resolution condemning the green mailers at the SPLC, the Southern Poverty Law Center. Many, uh, including local TV stations, will use SPLC-related stuff uh, in their stories. Um, the Federation for American Immigration Reform applauds the Republican National Committee for its public condemnation of the noxious Southern Poverty Law Center. The SPLC is the godfather of the malicious and anti-democratic cancel culture that seeks to silence the political views of the majority of Americans. FAIR, which advocates mainstream immigration policy views that are shared by most Americans, was one of the earliest targets of the SPLC smear campaign. But the SPLC and like-minded radical leftist organizations did not stop there. Aided by an increasingly politicized media that routinely ignores its own investigations revealing the scurrilous behavior of the Southern Poverty Law Center, the organization has waged a relentless effort to brand legitimate political views as hate. In recent months, the toxic political culture that originated in the lavish headquarters of the SPLC has even targeted organizations and journalists deemed not to be woke enough. Cancel culture is a cancer on our democracy. It seeks to suppress legitimate political speech and political dissent. The SPLC, which lamely refuses to apply the hate label to violent far-left groups like Antifa, is the originator of this malignant culture, and the organization must be exposed and condemned, and not just by the RNC. Protecting free speech and the expression of legitimate political views and condemning bullies like the Southern Poverty Law Center should not be a partisan issue. The culture of intimidation promoted by the SPLC for political and financial gain endangers all Americans, Republicans, Democrats, and independents alike. And FAIR calls upon other responsible leaders to add their voices, while they still have them, to the condemnation of an organization that has done more to poison the political atmosphere than just about any other. Uh, these, uh, these people at SPLC are nothing but a bunch of green mailers. And uh, they have uh, accused totally innocent groups of being uh, radical right-wing conservatives and white supremacists and all of the other slanders that they like to come up with against organizations they disagree with philosophically, which is anything other than far left. Quarter before six here on the Bobby Mack Show. Take a, a quick break here. When we come back on the other side, today's edition of Amazing True Facts.
another one bites the dust. Welcome back. Ten before six here on the Bobby Mac Show. Uh, Money Penny, I just got an email in my uh, inbox, and uh, so I, I'm going to uh, push ATF back into the uh, the bonus hour uh, because I think this uh, information is pertinent, and a lot of people will be interested in hearing the details. Uh, Clemson Athletics received approval from the South Carolina Department of Commerce today to welcome spectators at fall sport home facilities, including Memorial Stadium, Historic Riggs Field, and Jervy Gym. South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster outlined a procedure for exceptions to gathering restrictions in an executive order filed August 2nd. And I got a, got a bunch of uh, stuff in here about how they sought uh, external uh, experts and uh, got monitored, got blah, blah, blah. Here's the, let's cut to the chase. Clemson Athletics and IPTE will be reaching out to donors who did not choose a red shirt option via email uh, tomorrow at 10 a.m. with more details on football ticket and parking availability. Details on premium seating will also be handled directly. As part of the plan, Clemson's Memorial Stadium capacity will be reduced to approximately 19,000 fans based on, what else, six feet of social distancing among outdoor seating pods. Death Valley's regular capacity is 81,500. Fans will be seated primarily in pods of two and four affiliated guests throughout the stadium. Parking areas will be open three hours prior to announced kickoff times. Fans are asked to refrain from tailgating during the 2020 season. Tents and trailers are prohibited. In addition, capacity for volleyball in Jervy Gym will be 250 and soccer matches at Riggs Field will host about 1,000. No mention of basketball here yet. Clemson athletic officials and IPTE staff considered 10 different seating configurations for Memorial Stadium. The proposed blended model provides the opportunity for social distancing in the stands and the ability to include as many IPTE donors and students as possible during the season. IPTE donors will be assigned seating in order of, what else, giving level and priority points with caps on the amount of tickets available to each account. Fans who are listed among the CDC's at-risk groups are especially vulnerable and should consider staying home and refraining from attending events. Face coverings are required unless eating or drinking. Pre-game traditions like the Tiger Band Parade and Tiger Walk and post-game traditions like gathering at the Paw will not take place in 2020. Fans will be seated in pods of two or four affiliated guests in socially distanced pods. Each fan will have a designated gate of entry. No stadium re-entry, that is pass-outs, will be permitted Ticketing is all mobile for the 2020 season. Ticket holders will be provided assigned times for entry. 
Clemson asked fans not to tailgate during the 2020 season. Tents, trailers, and large groups are prohibited. Lots will open three hours prior to kickoff. Fans are asked to wear face coverings, maintain social distancing whenever possible in parking areas. Parking assignments will be based on seating location to minimize contact. Lots will close 60 minutes after the game. Upcoming key dates, August 28th, 10 a.m., ticket holder approximate allocation and stadium area information distributed via email. September 2nd, uh, right before noon, one minute before noon, ticket holder confirmation of August 28th email is due. Uh, Final chance to opt out. September 4th, those who have previously opted out will be contacted with refund options. September 9th, parking passes will be mailed. September 11th, access to the Citadel game mobile tickets will be available in online accounts. September 19th, kickoff versus the Citadel time to be announced. Okay, all of this from uh, Jeff Kalen, who is the associate AD for communications and strategic initiatives in uh, Clemson Athletics. So capacity for Death Valley will be 19,000 fans, which means uh, subtracting 19,000 from 81,500, there are tens of thousands of fans of the preseason number one team in the college football poll who are going to be, how should I diplomatically phrase this? (laughs) Money penny suggests SOL. Uh, I I would say uh, bitterly disappointed. How's that for a diplomacy? Uh, Still remains to be seen uh, what's going to happen during basketball season. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure because I'm not a season ticket holder what this reference is to. Um, Clemson Athletics and IFTA will be reaching out to donors who did not choose a red shirt option via email uh, tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. with more details on football ticket and parking availability. Uh, details on premium seating will also be handled directly. Uh, for those, the uh, do what, Money Penny? I think it was they could opt out of this year's tickets. Ah, right. But still, I guess, retain their place in line going yes, forward. Yes, but still retain those tickets. Yeah, right. Yeah, keep your place in line. Hold my place in line for me, Wayne. So there, there's the latest. Uh, as the uh, efforts continue to uh, make sure that we uh, live lives that uh, don't come anywhere near approximating the real world. All thanks to uh, the Chinese flu. One more to go. The bonus hour's on the way. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 